to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori LeBay, your host today at Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, and I'm thrilled you're here to join us today. We're going to have a great conversation about something I find exciting. But before I get into introducing you to our guest, I always like to do a little housekeeping. So for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people. And I'm always asked about our opening music. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. And you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms if you like. Let's see, what else do I want to talk about? For those of you that are looking for support, I do facilitate a memory cafe that is virtual. It's sponsored by Arthur Senior Care. We meet the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month, and you're more than welcome. You can just reach out to me on that. And then if you happen to be located in Minnesota near Shoreview, we do a caregiver support group sponsored by Brookdale North Oaks, and that runs the last Wednesday of each month at 10 o'clock Central Time at the Shoreview Community Center, and we'd love to have you participate. There are a couple of events. There is one event that is coming up that's an international conference that I think you'll find very interesting. It's the Plymouth International Virtual Dementia Conference, and it's free. Um, One of the sessions already was on October 27th, but you still have time to sign up for the November 3rd and the November session. Again, both are free. And of course, if you're looking for resources, products, and tools, head to Dementia Map, where you can find everything you need in one spot. And if you are someone who has a resource, product, tool, or knowledge base, you may want to go ahead and input your information on Dementia Map. Again, you can always reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com or go to our homepage at alzheimerspeaks.com. We're going to hear from the Footbar Walker, and we're going to be right back. Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both, and that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Footbar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. Well, like I told y'all, I was really excited about our guest here today. And she is known for a variety of things that she's done. And yet, She's one of the best kept secrets in the world. So I'm thrilled to not only call her my friend, but to have the honor to help push out her amazing work to the dementia community. Patty Carlson is a professional film score composer and producer. She's a concert pianist. She's a professional music educator and the author of the U.S. Patent Numeric Language of Music Program along with being the executive research director in the relationship between the numeric language of music and the brain. So Patty, I I am like so excited to have you on the show and to talk about your work. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, Thank you, Lori. I have uh, been amazed at your work uh, and so thankful that uh, you invited me to be here. 
Oh, absolutely. You are a perfect fit. Alzheimer's Speaks is about raising all voices and giving hope and showing people new ways. And you are all about that. So let's start out first with giving people kind of a basic on you. Have you been personally touched in your own family or circle of friends by dementia? No, no, I haven't. Only through my work. Okay, wonderful. And, and that happens with a lot of people. And you know, for me, it was really easy to step into this space because my mom had it for 30 years. And so I'm really amazed when people haven't been personally touched and yet show such passion and persistence in the work. So thank you. I can't wait to tell people what you're doing. So Patty, I'm thinking what we should do is show our audience one of your video trailers called Bringing Them Back that'll highlight your work. And then we can come back and talk a little bit more and you can answer some of my questions. Your mom said hi to me. Your, for the very first time, your mom was talking to me. After two years, mom, part of that social outreach began to return. And that in itself was, was just stunning. As a person who works with the elderly, who works with dementia patients, who does cognitive rehab, I'm also a certified brain injury specialist. It is stunning to me to see these results. I work with cognitive rehab and there are many techniques out there. I use a lot of them. This one is amazing in terms of the results we're getting. As, as a professional and as a daughter, I would recommend this program to anyone. Wow, that clip is so powerful, showing the social connection and the engagement uh, that happens after people use your program. To me, what really stood out is you've got a professional who works with the elderly, works with people living with dementia, and then also does cognitive rehab. And she is saying, wow, the numeric language of music program is, is unbelievable. So you are predominantly a self-taught pianist and film score uh, composer. So why don't you give us a little background because we're going to be talking about music. And when did you start to begin playing the piano and, and how the heck did you learn? Because it's not an easy thing for, for most of us to learn. Um, I was 21 years old and I just determined that I wanted to be a uh, concert pianist and, and a film score composer. And of course, you know, that went over well with my, <laughs> my family and my friends. But I continued to pursue it, uh, listening closely to music. I would hear uh, a piece of music and I would really separate the individual parts of the music. And then I would go to the piano and I would find those parts until I understood how they actually created it and how they put it all together. And so for me, um, I studied music from the relationship of the, uh, the piano keys or the musical tones, how they went together, and then how they were used um, for different instruments. Okay. Now, in the early, I think it was 1980s, you began composing and producing music for Marty Stouffer's uh, PBS Wild America, <laughs> yeah, which, Marty. Was, which was a television mm -hmm. show. How did you get, how did that opportunity even come to you? Well, Previously, for about two semesters, I went to college um, to learn how to write music down. And I was very good at composing and playing the piano. And I understood the relationship between those musical phrases and how they were allocated to different uh, instruments. But they didn't teach that at the school. So um, I would uh, tap a violinist on the shoulder and say, come to the, come to the rehearsal room. And I'd show him a piece of music that I'd written and I'd ask him to play it. And I'd say, that's not what I meant. And he said, well, play what you mean on the piano. And then he said, no, he said, if that's what you want, you need a dot here and a line here. And that's how, you know, I'll play that what you want. And that's how I actually learned to write music down. And when I, um, <clears throat> I was in Aspen, Colorado, I had actually gone to Aspen specifically to seek for a job uh, composing and producing music for films just because it was my passion. 
and uh, I looked up in the, in the in the telephone directory, and here's these producers, and Marty Stauffer was one of them. So I called up and I asked for the opportunity. Uh, he arranged a meeting for me. I went to his uh, office, and he was really busy, very kind of rough and gruff guy from Arkansas. And um, we went back to his office, and I sat down. He's on the phone. And so he starts his interview with me and he said, okay. He said, so you want to compose music for my films, for television? He said, okay. He said, where did you study? I said, well, you know, uh, I actually, I'm self-taught. I I haven't really studied anywhere. And he said, okay, who have you worked for? And I said, well, sir, uh, I haven't worked for anybody yet. (laughs) But, you know, so he was like, you know, honey, (laughs) he said, I'm really busy. And I do not have time for this. I'm sorry. And he walked me out the office and out the door I went. And I thought, well, that didn't go as well as I had hoped, you know. But two days later, the phone rings and it's Marty Stauffer. And he said, all right, I'm going to give you two films. He said, so get in here and you better not mess up. <laughs> and that's how I started. Worked for him for on and off for over 12 years. Wow, that's unbelievable. But you had the vision and, and the belief that you could do that. And did you ever ask him what what made him change his mind? I sure did. And he said, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Marty is Marty's Marty. He's a great, great human being. I can't thank him for all the films he made and for the opportunity he gave me. But he um, he said, I just he said, I don't know. He said, I just had a feeling that most likely you could probably do it. So yeah, gave me the chance. Oh, beautiful. What a what a great, great moment. Now, while you were working on composing, you know, and producing music for multiple, you know, television shows, you began then teaching piano lessons while you were in Aspen. And then after that, you uh, after your teaching, ABC News kind of picked up on what you were doing. And um, Turner Broadcasting Systems also featured you on Looking Up on their show and producers from Los Angeles. I, I'm interested in how did, the, how did they even hear about what you were doing? Uh, that's really a good question because I was a little confused about it all myself. Um, I started to teach uh, the numeric language of music because it was the way I understood music. I would look at the keyboard. I understood there are certain musical tones that were the tonal alphabet. I understood it as a language. I understood that there were certain structural forms that were consistent music vocabulary and that with a specific numeric sequence, which is just different points on the keyboard that you would begin your musical phrases, you would Uh, consistently affect the emotional response of a human being or of the audience to uh, the subject of the film. So I started teaching that and uh, my first student was had never played piano and I told him just what I just told you basically showed him showed him various ways he could play the vocabulary across the entire keyboard. Two weeks later he came back and uh, he was playing like Rachmaninoff, his own music and his own thing. And uh, he he actually was John Denver's neighbor. So uh, the next thing I know, John Denver's uh, children wanted to study with me. And then John called me. He wanted to study with me. And uh, a lot of celebrities began, you know, the community. And when they started, when the, when the <clears throat> news people started wanting to interview me, I was a little confused because... I thought this is what everybody teaches. You know, I wasn't conventionally uh, educated. So I'm thinking, you know, well, okay, but, you know, what do you want to talk to me for? <laughs> wow. That, what, what made you step into that space in terms of teaching? I mean, it seems like you've been almost spiritually guided into this space because it's not the normal stepping stones that you've taken that most people would expect. Um, you to take to be where you are and to be as recognized as you are? Actually, uh, when, you, when you're producing a film score, it's very expensive, depending on the recording studio that you're going to use, uh, the musicians you're going to work with, such as the Berkeley Symphony or the Denver Symphony and the studio time. And Marty was, you know, he wasn't exactly that generous with the money that he gave you to produce this. And it took just about every single dime of the, of, uh, the money allocated for the production uh, just to accomplish what I wanted to, you know, 
what I wanted to produce. You have to realize also that when you're producing something, it's your it's 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 your introduction to other producers, and so it has to be done right. And uh, in order to you know increase the income in my home, I thought, well, I'll just you know I'll just try teaching piano lessons, you know, and uh, it just kind of took off from there. I didn't, you know, at the time actually understand that what I was doing was uh, so unique. Wow. If I remember correctly, too, you did like an infomercial, which was like a half an hour long that went international as well. Is that correct? Uh, That is correct. Um, The uh, producers from Los Angeles uh, said, look, we'd really like to film, you know, one or two of your lessons. Uh, so I went out to LA and we did that. And um, a company called the Synchronal Corporation picked the product up to put on an infomercial. And so I and uh, Barbie Benton and Alex Karras did a half hour infomercial that was hugely successful. And, and it was actually quite accurate. Play the piano overnight was not, you know, it wasn't a gimmick. You know, the information that um, I was conveying was exceptionally accurate as to how the mathematics of this language um, could be conveyed and how it actually applied to all the instruments and to master's theory of composition and performance, although that at the time wasn't actually uh, understood. Wow. Now, you left this extraordinary career to kind of go down this path to develop a, you know, kind of a case study program. So tell us a little bit about that, because I, I just I just find this all fascinating. And my audience might be thinking, where's the dementia coming in? You, you know, ain't <laughs> I we're getting there. But I just think it's so important for people to understand your expansive background and passion for music. And and I appreciate that because um, to come to the point where we actually reversed the symptoms of Alzheimer's, of advanced Alzheimer's, it's important to understand that that the buildup of of pursuing that to find out if this was possible uh, came from these events that built up to you know going in that direction. So um, one of my colleagues was uh, Barbie Benton, and we were working on on a, a music uh, a song, and um, she was over at the house one day, and she said, "Well." She said, "How am, I have to go back to Los Angeles. How am I going to continue with the work? I said, well, do you have a piano? And she said, yes, but I don't know how to play it. So I said, so sit down and I'll show you how to play it. And she was visibly irritated. She said, why? You know, <clears throat> she said, I only have uh, 20 minutes. I said, I only need 15. Sit down. I explained the language. I explained she couldn't play, you know, at all. So she, 20 minutes later, Barbie left. And two days later, five o'clock in the morning, I get a telephone call from Barbie. And she said, I have to see you. I said, Barbie, it's five o'clock in the morning. She said, no, she said, I have to see you right now because I have to leave for Los Angeles this morning. And there was a bad snowstorm. I said, all right, come over at six o'clock. So six o'clock, she comes in with her husband. Uh, I went to make uh, coffee and she was so excited. And you know, I'm thinking this woman has had 20 minutes of information two days ago. She couldn't play to save her life. And she sat down at the piano and she began playing something that was literally impossible to have, have occurred from when I gave her this information. Uh, it was like the acquired savant syndrome. It was a magnificent piece. It was complex. It was beautiful. And uh, that was actually one of the reasons the producers from Los Angeles wanted to you know promote this because it was just phenomenal what happened but it always kind of uh, uh intrigued me how that was possible how you know what I was doing could possibly have caused that so I started a development case study with other kids and uh during the development case study you know, all I was trying to show was that this was not just a one-time, you know, play the piano overnight gimmick. This was a this was a real understanding of a numeric functional language. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the students' mothers said, "Can I, uh, can I say something more about what's going on with my son?" And uh, her son was in kindergarten when he started with me. He studied over the over the summer, 
and uh, his handwriting was the worst in his class. They they were really upset about it. They said, you really have to help him. And she was a working mother. There was no help. But the following uh, fall, uh, he had the best handwriting in the class. The teacher said it was the most beautiful handwriting she'd ever seen. So they took the papers to the office to, to double check and to, you know, to compare it. And they found out that not only had his handwriting gone from the worst in the class to the best in the class, uh, his reading had increased. He had been tested this the day before, had gone from a first grade level to a fifth grade third month level. That was the point I started paying attention to uh, and investigating other students at all levels. And we found that any of these children, uh, whether it was young or in high school, uh, they were all increasing their math, reading, and sciences from Ds and failing to 98 and 100%. And the only information that was actually uh, different in their lives was the numeric language of music program that they were studying. Wow. People talk all the time about the connection to music and the power and the joy it can bring. And, you know, it can ignite old memories and feelings. And I've seen people myself who, you know, are sitting in their in their wheelchair, literally, they're pretty much nonverbal, not talking. Somebody puts their hands on that piano and it's flooded back. They put her hands on, it was unbelievable. And then the whole room changes because the belief of what somebody with dementia can do. Now, granted, that person had played piano all her life. And I think we're seeing more and more acceptance of that, that history. But this is something brand new that somebody can try and still can really change some outcomes dramatically. Now, you had mentioned also, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, kids with autism that were struggling as well. You've done this some is, testing. Yeah, um, that was where I, I uh, separated my understanding. Um, because the results that I was uh, being given from the students accelerating in their grades uh, I was thinking that it was because they're playing piano. You know, they're actually playing these numeric sequences. But um, I was retained to uh, uh, teach two special needs children. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, see them as any different than anybody else. I gave them the same information. And a week later, uh, the mother was kind of irritated. She said they haven't, haven't touched the piano even one time. So they brought their little keyboard out. And uh, the mother and I just looked at each other because both of the children played phenomenally every single sequence that I had given them and fluently. Uh, and as a uh, proficient professional in this business for a very long time, I knew that that wasn't that that you know, was really very unusual to have happened. And it, it actually clarified to me that the changes in the brain and this is very important for your for your uh, for the audience to, to understand, are being initiated by the introduction of these numeric sequences. And that took me to the next step to say, well, if that's possible, I started looking, uh, watching some lectures by neuroscientists trying to understand, you know, what are they saying? And uh, one of the neuroscientists gave a lecture, he was out of UC San Diego. And he said, if there is a language organ, it's probably the brain. And the, the other, another lecture uh, was up in McGill College, and the, the uh, neuroscientist said that, he, that the apparatus that responds to music developed earlier than the apparatus that responds to language. And because of what I was seeing, I thought, well, you know, it's very possible. Well, it's certainly possible that the numeric language of music, which is specific numeric algorithms actually via the keyboard could very well be the innate inherent language of the human brain. Uh, so I went uh, to an assisted local assisted living center and I gave a brief lecture and uh, three of the members were uh, volunteered to be part of my, ex my experiment. I just was trying to find out, am I right here? I'd like to talk to about Ruth if I have enough time to talk about. Oh, Ruth absolutely! Here. We're <laughs> we're totally good. Go for okay. it. Yeah. Okay. So Ruth, the um, uh, the resident brain injury specialist and cognitive uh, uh, rehabilitation 
rehab uh, specialist. Her name was Donna Dacato, and she volunteered her mother, who had been advanced uh, Alzheimer's dementia for uh, the two years she had been at the facility and multiple years before that. So um, she had a th three minute memory retention. She had very, she couldn't feed herself early. She needed help to do that. And um, she's in a wheelchair. So I started on the left side. This was like on a Tuesday. And I introduced with her, took her fingers and I played these keys, went around to the right side, did it with the right hand. Uh, it took about 45 minutes to an hour for the first session. On the second session, which was on Friday, it was one hour, twice a week. Um, I said to her in the middle of it, Ruth, I said, uh, my, I'm hurting my back. Uh, just wait a second. I need to go get a chair. The following Tuesday, in the middle of the session, Ruth says to me, Patty, do you need, you need to go get a chair so you don't hurt your back? Uh, within 30 days, she was feeding herself. She was um, uh, participating in a, a physical therapy class with her arms and her legs. And the residents were telling, telling uh, Donna that her mom said hi but your mom said hi to me she was actually having you know real conversations with people again and that was in 30 days with 30 days of introducing this uh within 90 days symptoms of um parkinson's disease reversed and uh long-term stroke uh disability um on patty carlson online the testimonies are are uh are, are presented by donna as she perceived it the, the parkinson's was shocking to me because the amount of time that it took, uh, I, I didn't understand anything Barbara said. It was very difficult for me. Her speech was really um, uh, compromised. And that was for almost the entire three months that I had known her until one day I walked in and she spoke perfectly. You would never have, have known there was ever a, a problem to begin with. So we've seen, you know, I guess that's why I'm here. I've had such, uh, I don't know how, I don't really know how to reach everybody, but um, we're at the point now where I want to know uh, if, if what I'm doing can be repeated, can be um, uh, duplicated by a caregiver with someone uh, with, with advanced Alzheimer's and dementia and will the sequences, if it is, you know, perhaps code, I don't know. You know, we think about computers, you know, the brain functions, you know, very similar to a computer. And uh, with computers, there are certain things that you can do when you type on the keyboard where it's basically a language of code and you're instructing the computer to do something. And if the computer is kind of like uh, not functioning right, uh, it can reset you, 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 you give this code and it resets it. And, you know, perhaps, perhaps that's what this is doing. It's telling the brain to re reset itself because it's functioning in so many different areas. It's, it's just amazing to see the results. And when I realized it, it wasn't about understanding the, uh, magnificence of the of, of western music literature or understanding how to compose and produce music that the very structural the mathematic structural uh underlying carriage of of all of the music was actually the simplicity of it was was the key to to somebody you know actually coming back from from being gone for so long. It was shocking, <laughs> stunned. So, you know, we hear about uh, neuroplasticity where, you know, the brain makes new pathways. Is that what you're feeling is happening here? No, no, I really don't think it has anything to do with that. I think that if I'm right, if the numeric language, you know, look, okay, I'm a, I'm a composer and I'm a concert pianist and, um, you know, neuroscientists and brain surgeons and all of the companies that do investigative research, you know, they could study this, you know, however long it is for them to decide what they think is happening. My position is that this language is most likely code, that, that according to the other neuroscientists about 
about the brain being a language organ and that uh, the apparatus responded to music before the apparatus developed to language. My, my perception is that uh, the mathematical language, the numeric language of structural form and motion taught on this keyboard is most likely code that the circuitry of the human brain is responding to. Now, of course, that's, that's from decades of, of studying, refining, and comprehending these mathematical sequences and conveying them and documenting, you know, uh, what, you know, what these people are, are experiencing, the cognitive and remedial acceleration of brain capacity performance is just off the chart. So we've always known, I mean, you know, with your mom, uh, that playing the guitar or you know, people playing and singing guitar, we all understand that there is a relationship between music and the brain. But this is the first time, I think, that we've actually uh, defined what that relation relationship is and you know I'm here because I want to find out if I'm right you know so here we are I have um, the Alzheimer's research project I have a uh, it's like 20 minute video with very accurate you the first step you do this you put their your fingers here you do it here uh, it would take less than an hour uh, uh, per session uh, I would recommend twice a week and it's free because I'm wanting to beta test this product. If I'm right, you know, we would never, I'm never going to tell, tell your audience or anybody, this is what it's going to do. I can only tell you, this is what it has done. And you have all kinds of people telling you through the videos of their testimonies. I think it's an opportunity for us to find out together. And that's what, that's why I came to you. That's why I contacted you is because I don't want to see this get lost in the shuffle. I want to see. I want to see if I'm right, and if I am right, uh, we have a lot of a lot of more uh, great things to talk about. You know, I don't know why this didn't hit me before, Patty, but I should introduce you to Rudy Tanzi. Rudy Tanzi, are you familiar with him? I have never. He's heard a of Harvard him. professor, researcher, and musician. This would be, I think, really fascinating to him because he has the passion like you do for the music he's a composer himself and this would be a whole nother avenue and how fun to be able to combine you know your passion and your research together and uh, he's very well known in the in the field of of dementia so if that's a connection you're interested in absolutely I'm, I'm willing to work with anybody I'm I'm very happy to share what I know and, and to further the investigative research. Okay. Now for people who, let's say it might be professionals who live in a, a community, this is something, a, a study that they could do, that they could be taught um, to practice with their, with their residents as well as people in, in their own homes. Anybody, uh, the thing about the numeric language of music program is it doesn't require any background of music education or knowledge of a piano at all. It is a very straightforward and simple program that's had remarkable results. And I would recommend it for anybody that is willing to take the time, you know, to test the program. Uh, as I said, you know, Ruth, one of the reasons also that I, that I, uh, contacted you is that the Alzheimer's and dementia patients that I actually tested with responded faster than Parkinson's where Parkinson's took 90 days and the stroke disability uh, actually just disappeared in 90 days. Uh, Alzheimer's came around within two weeks to 30 days. Now I'm not saying that that will happen, you know, I can't be there to observe anything, you know, but I'm hopeful that I'm right. Oh my gosh. I, I so wish my mom was still alive to be able to test her on this because she loved music. And, uh -huh. you know, most of the people, you know, as they decline, music is such a big piece and, you know, the memories and, you know, I think my mom lived as long as she did because she felt connected. And I think music naturally does that. And I've also heard from so many people with dementia, even, you know, earlier stages who feel like they, they lost their life, but then becoming advocates said, oh my gosh, 
I've never had such purpose, you know, and they, they feel connected, they feel useful again. And just being able to know that your hands are making that music, even if it's assistance has to be so empowering to the soul. They love it. They, they, I, I have seen people who are in really bad situations, you know, difficult situations. One of the things that Donna explained to me because she works in that, in that area was that when people get this diagnosis, she said, Patty, she said, a lot of them have to spend a very long time accepting that, that, you know, their fate, because they see it as, you know, basically a death sentence for themselves and they're scared. And she said, so, you know, it takes a lot of time to accomplish that. She said, so when you find a little bit of resistance of people wanting to try what you're talking about, she said, it's because it took them so long to accept their fate. And it's hard for them to think, well, maybe there's still hope when they've already, you know, resigned themselves to, to this end. And I'm just trying to reach everybody and tell them this, this, we've seen this, we've seen a complete reversal of advanced Alzheimer's, who has been, you know, really gone for multiple years, there's nothing to lose. And it's everything to gain for the entire, you know, basically, it's a global issue. Who knows, you know, I mean, here I am, it's just like I came out of a completely different perspective of music than conventional teaching. And um, I saw it mathematically. And we all know there's a relationship between music and the brain. We know that uh, uh, it, ex- you know, it helps kids supposedly in school, but the mathematics were inaccurate in, in the, the program that they were studying. So this, you know, kind of dissipated all of the symbology and just looked at the, the relationship of the musical tones. And when you see it mathematically and, and it's so simple, uh, it's just triggered something that I guess we could have all hoped was there. And uh, we're going to find out, you know, we're going to find out by bringing this program into the community for free. You know, there's no charge. It's easy that you don't have to have any experience for a caregiver to do this program with with anyone really at, at uh, multiple stages. But I, I'm trying to test the advanced uh, dementia and Alzheimer's because I saw them come back. I saw them return 100% feeding themselves, having conversations with people uh, and getting their life back. And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that this will do that. I'm not telling you it will. I love you. I love you guys. I really do. And from the bottom of my heart, I've given it everything I have to, to simplify it so that anyone can use this program. And uh, I'm hoping you will. I tested the program and and you have done such a good job because it's so consistent and, and Patty, your your voice is so calming Mm -hmm. and it's just very easy repeating the numbers and playing. It's just, it's, it's extremely easy to do. The other thing that I think is really interesting too, is the importance of touch that is lost a lot of times as we age and especially people living with dementia as they progress you know, they're touched to get dressed, they're touched feeding, grooming, those types of things, but they're really not touched so much in between that. And I think that that connection between us is really important. So when you're touching somebody's hand and helping them, you know, produce something, you know, if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's a sound, if it's a pattern, whatever, you know, you're becoming one, you're doing something together, you belong. You know, and so and you're creating something. Exactly. So I think that that is really powerful in and of itself. And I, I never, I guess, thought of it to that extent until I have a granddaughter who um, was in therapy, and she, uh, she, she's little, and she wanted to paint her therapist's fingernails. And he's he's man, but he, you know, they're in play therapy. So (laughs) she's painting his nails. And he said afterwards, I never realized how intimate something like that was, how the calmness that is there and, you know, how she just got so excited to be able to show something and do something for him. And it was, it was really cute. So then I, and I, and I knew that like with my mom, but I guess I never realized to the level, you know, like it would bring in lotion and stuff to be able to have that connection when you can't talk. But I, I think that is such an important 
piece as well. I think there's so many pieces in terms of what you're doing that are coming together um, that are just profound. And again, people have absolutely nothing to lose you know, than to try this. And, you know, there's a saying in the dementia community, when you've met one person, you've met one. So everybody's going to respond a little bit differently. Um, and each of you are probably going to teach a little bit differently, even though it's a very specific and it's very easy, but just your tone of voice, all of those things can come into play in terms of, of how you're connecting with someone or what is your relationship with them. Maybe something that, that comes into play, maybe doesn't, you know, maybe you'll see that, that this really is just a strong pattern of change uh, that could be done by most. Um, one of the things Donna asked me is, you know, would listening to these structural forms and patterns, you know, would you record it for me? And uh, I tried to explain to her that this is not uh, a preconceived idea of how this program works. From what I'm seeing, inputting these numeric algorithms, total sequences, numeric algorithms in the exact order that I'm presenting them uh, is, uh, you have to input it through the fingers. The results aren't gonna happen from, from hearing it. The, re the results are happening, and I really think that somehow the whatever the neural connections are uh, between the fingers and the brain. Um, I mean, I've seen ADD, ADHD, Asperger's syndrome, all of these things just just change so dramatically through this program that um, you know that's why now the basics, the very basics, the very accurate. Uh, foundation of this language is is being presented in in this uh, alzheimer's research uh, program so as long as it's followed without deviation um, and if i am right if it is code then gosh we're at the door of phenomenal new understanding of the relationship between musical tones and the brain and i'm hoping i, I just hope i'm right you know i mean i've put uh, multiple decades in studying this and researching this. And I've, I tested this program uh, when I first put it in the manual. This is where I first started trying to say, okay, you know, if I can do this, surely someone else can do it and would have you know similar results. And uh, the, the tested it with um, the local postmaster. Her, her name is Martha. And uh, she had two grandchildren. I was telling her <laughs> at the post office well, about my work. She said, do you think this can help my, my grandchildren? Her oldest grandchild was 11, and um, he was entering the fifth grade, functioning at a third grade level. And they told the family that they didn't think there was much of a chance he could possibly even catch up. But the younger boy was three, and he had been diagnosed with uh, childhood apraxia of speech, which uh, I've later learned the brain doesn't connect with the muscles of the mouth. And uh, um so, you know, it's a very difficult situation because he can't, he can think it, but he can't say it. So they took the manual and uh, three months later, I got a, I received a, a letter from the mother. And she said that uh, the 11 year old, three months later, had, uh, had accelerated from a 3.4 to a 5.6 reading average. He had accelerated so fast in math that they had absolutely no idea how it was even possible. He was doing wonderfully. But more importantly, the three-year-old had improved his speech 70% and everybody could understand him. He could communicate. They didn't have to try and guess what he wanted or what he was saying. And, and I was really thrilled. So, you know, I posted the, the uh, letter and everything, but I didn't find out until later when I looked up childhood apraxia of speech that it's incurable. There is no cure for this. These children suffer with this their entire life. And so that's why I'm here. Let's find out together. So how, how do people connect with you to, to get this information to start being part of the study? The film is by uh, a, a private link, uh, a secured link. And all they, all they have to do is contact me via email uh, at the um, Alzheimer's Research Project at gmail.com. 
just send me a note. Tell me that you want to, uh, you'd like to participate in, in our research, in studying our research, and I will send you a link uh, to the program. And all we ask is that for the next three months, use the program a min minimum of one hour, twice a week. Give us, start giving us any changes that you see over the next 30, 60, or 90 days. And, you know, if also we're hoping that if you really do get results that you will, um, you know, participate in uh, some kind of a forum so that we can all share the knowledge of, you know, different aspects that it's helping with. Would it be helpful too if people like videoed their, their first session would be, versus later? Yeah, that would be, that would be really wonderful. I would say not, not so what, I would be fine if you wanted to videotape when you first start. Um, I would think more that you wanted to videotape the state of, of life they're in. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if you start seeing changes, start videotaping the changes that you're seeing. And, gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. I did want to say one other thing. Uh, it's for U.S. residents only. Uh, at this time, you know, we'd like to open it up to the entire world, but let's find out more uh, at home first. Sounds good. So they can email you at Alzheimer's Research Project at gmail.com. They can go to the website, which is Alzheimer's Research Project.com. And then also your personal website, which is Patty Carlson Online. Dot com. And what will they see between the two differences between the two websites, Patty? Um, the history, uh, my history uh, of the television shows I was on and of the kids that were or will be telling you about their amazing uh, changes in their scholastics, uh, the, uh, a lot of testimonies from, from parents of kids who were uh, uh, addicted in vitro and were came out with really difficult problems and ended up uh, just several months after studying this program working for Walt Disney composing and producing <laughs> music uh, all kinds of, of uh, you know really information a lot I've talked about here but in the and in the Patty Carlson online uh, you hear from other people which is so critically important because people can talk about themselves all the time. And it's just like, you know, I'm a composer and a concert pianist, and you could say that you are that, but, you know, when you hear my music, I have multiple selections from music I composed and produced for movies. And when you hear uh, the music, well, that more defines what I mean when I'm saying <laughs> you know, what I actually do. Yeah. Well, and you're so humble too. It's um, I, I know this is all coming from, from your heart and wanting to make the world a better place and really getting to, you know, the bottom, bottom line and, and bringing people together to be part of that. That's what I think is so cool too, is people can participate on, you know, any level they, they want to, you know, in any location. And mm -hmm. also have to and do they, can, they can ask me questions on email. You can add, you know, email me your questions. I'll give you the best understanding that I have at this point in time. Yep. Wonderful. Well, Patty, thank you for your work and your brilliance and, and your willingness to share this. And I, I'll have to have you come back, you know, when you've got some more results and stuff. But, you know, I've watched and, and listened to the testimonies and read some of the testimonies online and amazing. And when I, you know, when I heard just the one daughter talking about her own mom, I, I, I just, it, it just almost made me cry thinking, Wow. And she's a professional in the industry. She totally gets this. Um, and to see that kind of profound change, um, that testimony really, to me, stood out as a as a daughter of a mom with dementia. So. I'm saying, I want you to know that I think if anything I ever did in my life, this this to me was this, you know, having a gift to give you, to give all of you, having this gift, understanding this language of music and the love I have for it. But if this, if this actually works, if we're right, then that my whole life, everything I walked away from in the industry, everything I, I 
quit with, you know, playing with the symphonies and, and, and composing and producing music. Did I miss it? Yes. You know, I really did. I, I, I really did. I missed my friends and I missed, I missed being in that studio, but it was worth every portion of my life that I gave up if I'm right about this. And, and, and I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for a gift that, you know, I was given to be able to share it with you. That's that's the best I can tell you. (laughs) Well, it's incredible. And just to see the number of people that it's affected already and the range of who it's affected. That's why I think it's code. Mm -hmm. That's why, that's why I really think, you know, the potential that, that the brain functions very similar to the computers and how we understand computers. And of course it's math. And so we're re, re, you know, we're really further investigating the relationship between math, music, and the mind. And that's where, that's where we're at. Yeah. And if, if the math and the codes scare you, it's not like that at all. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very simple. And the video is, you'll just, you'll, you'll hear yourself repeating it in your own mind. Just it, it's, just and you don't have to, you know, you don't going to say, okay, well, if I look at it, what if I don't want to do it? Well, I don't think that'll be your, you know, I actually don't think that'll be your decision, uh, mm-hmm. but it's fine. Don't, there's no obligation to this. We're in this together to find out. We're in this together to see if I'm right, if this is some kind of a code that's that's telling the brain as a functional computer to reset itself. Uh, because there's no other, you know, I mean, even Donna said, uh, she said, I do not understand how this works. She said, I just know it does. She said, but I don't understand how Aspen works either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this world we don't understand, but we'll utilize it. We'll utilize it to our benefit. Well, thank you so much, Patty. It's just been such a pleasure. And um, again, I can't thank you enough. And we're thrilled that you're part of Dementia Map as well. Thank you. Find you through that. Um, But again, go to alzheimersresearchproject.com or pattycarlsononline.com. And then again, to get that link to the film, to be able to, to um, you know, start and be part of the study, uh, reach out to Patty at Alzheimer's Research Project at gmail.com. Thank you, everybody. And don't keep this a secret. Share it with others. Thanks. Thanks very much, everybody. I really appreciate you and your time. Bye now. Bye. Lots of channels. Nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.